Almost. 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 Major. 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 Holy fucking shit, this is major! In honor of uh, the, the director of House of the Dead, I feel like we should uh, maybe go around and ask ourselves a question. When did we realize that movies could be bad as young cinephiles? Charlie. This doesn't really qualify as like, like when did I know movies were bad or not? But I do remember the first time I left a theater and I didn't like it. Although I bet if I did go see this again, I would say this is bad is... Anyone remember, and funnily enough, this came out the same year as Ringmaster, which we just covered. Anyone see the movie Ants, the CGI movie voiced by... I actually have it. It, it, it features the voice talents of uh, everyone's favorite Woody Allen. <laughs> I'm sorry. It features it yeah. features Woody Allen, Jesus Christ, and uh, Sharon Stone. And I remember I had a choice between seeing that and Babe Pig in the City... And I didn't know which one to choose. And I chose Ants. Oh, my God. And I left the theater being like, I don't think I liked that. And then I got home and I cried because I realized <laughs> I didn't like a movie for the first time seeing it in a theater. And I begged and cried to my parents, can we please go see Baby Pig in the City tomorrow or the next day? And they were like, you can wait till next weekend. And, you know, me being a child having like a fucking temper tantrum in the worst possible way <laughs> and uh it, look i haven't seen ants in about uh what so it's 2021 right now i haven't seen ants in uh over yeah, yeah, years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> several years and uh i i have seen babe pig in the city recently and i saw it as a child and liked it and i saw it as an adult and i really liked it and i can say uh that was the first time that uh child me was right so uh yeah that that's my take what's uh what's all yours i'll go next but i'm just imagining just a kid you just been like you don't get it jeffrey katzenberg he left pixar <laughs> and then he made his ripoff of a bug's life and i thought it would be better <laughs> i'm pretty sure did ants you come know. out before a bug's life though i'm pretty sure ants was like oh shit a bug's life is also coming out we have to get this out beforehand <clears throat> i think I think uh, he left when they were developing that, and he was like, I'm going to go to DreamWorks and try to put out an Ants movie before A Bug's Life, but I could be wrong. Guys, Ants comes out the month before A Bug's Life. Uh, October 1988 is when Ants comes out. Bug's Life is November. Uh, just, uh, and it's also just a gross movie. I mean, they have, like, homages to war films where they go to battle with, like, termites, and there's a kid with a magnifying glass who fries them, and it's just... It's an ugly, ugly movie. You know, <laughs> it's just... It, yeah, you know, kids movie yeah, shit. Yeah. yeah. It's it's like around about 2002, 2003-ish. Probably around 2002. Uh, I saw the movie Darkness, which I believe is, has oh, Anna Paquin shit. in it. Oh, shit. I know exactly what you're talking about because I bought that fucking thing on DVD. <laughs> and I remember, I remember at the time that this was a movie that like got kept getting pushed back i think it was a miramax dimension yes. movie but like it got like cut down to pg-13 but it was supposed to come out and supposed to come out because right around this time i was huge on like bloody disgusting upcoming horror movies forums and i really wanted to see it really wanted to see it and then i saw it and i was like this is the worst piece of shit i've ever seen so it's either that or it's darkness falls <laughs> i don't know which one came out first but <clears throat> it's one of those that i was just like 
Uh, movies are bad, but I'm also amazed at how bad they are. And like, I remember I tried to rewatch Darkness Falls because I was like, surely I. It you mean Darkness? Me. Darkness Falls is the other. That's like the Tooth Fairy movie, right? Uh, <clears throat> yes. Yeah. Yes. Wait, did I say the Anna Paquin one's called Darkness as well? Yeah. That uh, uh, there's Darkness is Anna Paquin. Darkness Falls is Jonathan Leah Bestman. It's like about Tooth Fairies or something. Right. Right. I'm talking about both of them. <laughs> oh, so it's either what? Darkness or Darkness. Yes, there Falls. are two. Yes. One Darkness Falls came right. out in 2003, and I think Darkness was dumped on Christmas Day in 2004. <laughs> okay, then it was Darkness Falls first. Yeah, which is a movie that's. I think it's like 80 minutes long and the credits are 11 minutes because they didn't have a movie that was long enough to be a theatrical movie. So they had to just stretch out the credits. But yeah, I I haven't thought of that movie in so long. But I remember rewatching it because I was like, surely it's me. It's not the movie. This movie can't be bad. It's got to be me. And then I rewatched it. I was like, no, it's pretty bad. It almost felt good that I was just like, oh, I have discernible taste now. I know when movies are bad and they are good. And movies that are good are Swim Fan and Clock <laughs> Yes, I was Jesse Bradford Hive forever. I was, uh, I didn't even like Clock Stoppers as a kid. I think Ants was 1988. Clock Stoppers was 2002. But I did have yeah. a subscription to Nickelodeon magazine and... Uh, closeted 11 year old me might have had a clock stoppers poster on my wall as a child because I found Jesse Bradford very attractive and didn't know what I was exactly feeling at that point even though I saw the movie I like it when he stops time I think no 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 he doesn't stop time it's just the things move very very slowly that he moves so slow yeah right right French Stewart for some reason is trying to take him down yeah and they have those freezer guns anyway Bryden what's your (laughs) What's your your loss of innocence when it comes to the magic of cinema? <laughs> I feel like the one that I can think of, uh, even though I barely remember this movie, was probably Deck the Halls, the movie where Matthew Broderick <laughs> and Danny DeVito are neighbors who are fighting with each other about Christmas lights. Danny DeVito wants to have the most elaborate Christmas lights display so his house can be seen from space. That infuriates Broderick, so he just basically spends the whole movie trying to sabotage DeVito. And I remember just like, not finding the movie funny and also being like really kind of mean and aggravating and that's like the example i can think of i was like probably eight at the time so that's like pretty early oh, jesus christ i was in high school when that movie came out fuck i watched that i watched that as a like my teacher was like we're not gonna watch we're not gonna i'm not gonna teach you anything we're gonna watch fucking deck the halls and then somebody was like what about christmas with the cranks and they were like the same fucking movie okay, just put it on so like darkness and darkness falls how i got those mixed up christmas with the cranks and deck the Hall, same movie yeah, yeah, same thing. I did see the unrated version of Darkness, which I heard was more coherent, but also apparently sucks. Yeah, so, I wonder who directed that. I think it was like a... It was a it Spanish was a, production. It's the guy right. who did Wreck, uh, which I know you really like, Kevin. Wow! Oh, shit, it's the same guy who did Wreck? Wreck what? is bad. Wreck is a masterpiece, and dude. I'm also Are you looking fucking at his, kidding me? And I'm looking at his filmography. He also wrote the remake to uh, Inside. You know, like there was that new French Extremity movie with like Beatrice. Right. Like, Pregnant they remade that in America, and he wrote the, the remake of that. I know, what? They, I know they remade Martyrs, but yeah. I didn't know they did Inside. Yeah, and did twenty six? Did the remake? Did the remake also take place on Christmas Eve? <laughs> oh, just, yes, it does. It does. It does. Holy yeah. shit! <laughs> yeah, that is I'm really s- funny. That like Inside is technically a Christmas movie. <laughs> it's a Christmas movie more than a Halloween movie for some people. <laughs> Good movie. I watched it recently. Um, the original. I, I like that movie a lot. I mean, I, yeah. I just recently went through like the French extremity movies because when those came out, I I thought they were the greatest shits ever. I just thought they were so awesome. Now I rewatched them. I was like, wait, 
high tension kind of sucks <laughs> oh high it. tension is incredibly homophobic and the twist ending makes no sense it makes no sense it has some co- like the the best part about the entire movie is the trailer because it's set to super uh sonic youth superstar and it's really awesome but as a movie yeah it, i remember being young and even i was just like yeah the ending doesn't make any sense but all the other stuff is good and now i'm just like Ugh. without without trying to spoil anything the twist ending reveals that someone has a car chase with themselves which is the, which one is of the kind yeah, yeah. <laughs> today on almost major where we discuss the many major studios and the films they release we are talking about the first masterpiece from one Uwe Ball. It's a video game adaptation. It's a prequel to the video games for some reason. It's called House of the Dead. It was a nightmare. It all started a few days ago. Where do you hide? When they're everywhere. everywhere. What do you do? When there's no way out. How do you kill? kill. What's already dead? dead. Any way you doesn't this bother any of you? We're on the island where the party of the year is supposed to be happening, but it's completely deserted. Well, they sure as hell did not go to 7-Eleven to get more booze. Run! Run! There must be some kind of scientific explanation for this. It's not human. It's like it's been mutated. So, what now? We send them back to hell. Now, the only way to make it back alive is to send them all back to the House of the Dead. I've been waiting for you for a long time. It's a prequel? It's a prequel to the video games. I, we'll get there. We'll get I, there. I, I mean, I've seen the movie. I prepped for this podcast. I had no idea this was a prequel. I played the game. I own the game on Wii. But yeah, anyway, keep going. <laughs> Which was released in 2003. This is yes. Uwe Boll's pretty much first major movie. Uh, he had a few movies before this. He has, a, I think the one before this was like a school shooter drama with a prefame Elizabeth Moss, uh, who we right. and there was like an Jesus. interview that he gave, I think, with Vanity Fair, where he said, like, you know, that's my thing. I always get the timing wrong, and they said, like, I think she changed her number. And it's like, <laughs> so sad. He was just like, ah, ha, ha. but it's called Heart of America in 2002, and then in 2000 he has a movie called Sanctimony in 2000 with Casper Van Dien, and then before that is a lot of like. Uh, movies he made in Germany because he is German. Yeah, and like so. they were very independent. Like there was one movie I think I have it in my notes where he like to save accommodation things he like drove like his cr- cast and crew like 500 miles or something to like uh, to Geneva I think so they could shoot for 10 hours and then like that would like save accommodations or whatever and his mom like did the catering for one of his movies or something <laughs> oh my goodness yeah well, I'll try to find the sources so I can like probably I just, like I just, credit the people I just thought of the fucking sideshow Bob gag from the Simpsons where it's like he has die Bart die tattooed on his chest <laughs> And then they're like, it's German. it's German for the Bart, the. And then someone says, anyone who speaks German can't be an evil man. Uh, I'd like to counter argument. <laughs> Huey Ball might be an evil man. 
yeah, and no one else, no one else who speaks German. Obviously, they're all clear. Uh, by the way, I, I've been to Berlin. I love, I love Germany. <laughs> just not. That, I am very worldly. <laughs> Charlie's like, just want to let all the German people know it was just a joke. I don't yeah. affiliate myself with the views of Sideshow Bob. No. <laughs> Uh, House of the Dead it came out October 10th, 2003. It went wide in 1,500 theaters. It's a budget of $12 million. Opening weekend, it made $5.6 million. Domestic gross of $10.1 million and worldwide of $13.8 worldwide. Let's look at the weekend this came out. Number one was Kill Bill Volume 1. Uh, number two is School of Rock. Number mm. three is Good Boy, which I saw in theaters for some reason. Uh, number four is Intolerable Cruelty. Number five is Out of Time. Number six, House of Dead. Number seven, The Rundown. Number eight, Under the Tuscan Sun. Number nine, Secondhand Lines. And number ten, surprisingly, is Lost in Translation. It was rising in traction as it expanded from more screens. Uh, <laughs> I, I do remember, I'm just going to throw this out there, that I had, I this was during the time, like, when I first started being able to go to the movies alone with friends when I was like 12 mm-hmm. and I did go see the rundown and school of rock, especially school of rock, uh, were movies that I saw alone with friends, uh, without my parents for the first time and being like, this is amazing. And I remember house of the dead being like basically shunned to the like 20 something seat theater, just like <laughs> off to the corner Played one time at like 10 PM. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. Like, it was like it was that one that was like, "What's over here?" No, that's okay. Like it's the, it, it was one of those. And also wishing I had the guts to sneak into Kill Bill Volume One, but knowing I would get in so much trouble if I did. So yeah, the first movie I tried to sneak into, I think I may have talked about this, was Zack and Mary, and I got kicked out and had to go see Max Payne. So I never. Oh yes, you did mention that. Yeah. So I never snuck into another movie after that, and then by the t- time like next year, I was already seventeen and able to go see rated R movies. Uh, the writer for this movie is Mark A. Altman. Prior to this, he co-wrote Free Enterprise in 1998, which is, I guess, is a movie about Star Trek nerds meeting Shatner. Uh, he produces and writes on network shows now. Uh, he also wrote the sequel, which I think is like direct to DVD, direct to TV. I saw it when it came out. I didn't really care to rewatch it. And also credited to for writing is Dave Parker, and he has said that his version of the screenplay was trashed and completely rewritten. And what you see on screen is not his screenplay. So, I mean, I looked at his IMDb credits. Dave Parker. Uh, his preceding credits are Bimbo Movie Bash in 1997, <laughs> the, dead ha- the, dead hit- the Dead Hate the Living in 2000, The Brotherhood mm. 2 and Young Warlocks in 2001, Masters of Horror, which is like a TV documentary in 2002, The Dead, Re- and then I guess House of the Dead, The Dead Reborn in 2013, and then he contributed, I think, to this anthology film called Tales of Halloween, which mm. I think some people kind of like in 2015. Yeah. And uh, it watches in 2016, but I don't know him like saying the script got trashed when it was Bimbo uh, movie bash. Bimbo movie bash is one of the credits that he had. That makes me doubtful. I, acting like he was the co-writer on Citizen Kane or something. Yeah. Do you guys uh, know who was supposed to make this movie first, or who was originally? No, I actually don't. Um, so Variety wrote an art had an article on June 24th, 1998, uh, where it was originally going to be Jesse Dillon as a son of Bob. Uh, he was going to direct it. It was going to be his feature debut. Uh, he was going to direct and produce, and it was going to be DreamWorks that was going to make it, not uh, 
not, not artisan. <laughs> and it was going to be written by Mark Verheiden, who previously wrote Time Cop, which rules, and also <laughs> the and also the Mask uh, with Jim Carrey. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. The screen the screenwriter was going to get three hundred fifty thousand dollars against seven hundred thousand to pen the screenplay. And this was the this was the premise in the movie. It says. Quote, it takes place in a small college town where the ultra-fashionable goth house ser- serves as a haven for zombies, who happen to be the hippest and most popular kids in the school. After yes. the death of a friend at the hands of one of the Walking Dead d- occurs during a rave, so they kept that part in, and following a series of gruesome murders around the campus, the main character, Jenny, and a group of nerdy necro-warriors strike out to avenge their friends' untimely deaths. Uh, Where's that movie? I want it. I know. Yeah, I mean, Jesse Dillon did go on to make move other movies. He made Kicking and Screaming with Will Ferrell, How High. Oh, wow. Um, oh, wow. And American Wedding. Uh, he did something called Soros. He's done a lot of music videos like for the, like, the Black Keys. And The Black Keys? Yeah. Shit. Yeah, that's yeah. Jesse, Jesse Dillon. He's, he's done fine for himself. I mean, he's Bob Dylan's son, so I'm sure he's fine. And then... Um, oh, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, and then okay. Mark Verheiden, <laughs> he... Yeah, he did... I think the, the last... The last movie that he wrote was My Name is Bruce, which is, like, I think, like, a meta comedy mm. with, like, Bruce Campbell. Bruce himself. Campbell, yeah. And he does a lot of TV writing, like, for Falling Skies, Daredevil, Ash vs. Evil Dead, Swamp Thing, Hemlock Grove, Heroes. So, hmm. I guess I guess they wanted to better things. So, you know, maybe they were better off not having this movie. Although, that sounds way better than the movie that we got. That's wild, yeah, because it had DreamWorks, because I think DreamWorks started in 98, right? It was about 98. I, I, I think of, like, um, Spielberg, like, that's, like, he's involved in that. And is Lost Park, is, is Lost World Jurassic Park, is that 97? Is that the first DreamWorks movie? I can see the cover. It's a George Clooney movie. Is uh, it The Peacemaker? Yeah. I think that's the first DreamWorks movie. It is. You're right. There yeah. we go. September when did that come out? 19, September 26, 1997. So, yeah, like, I think just around that time, DreamWorks was just, like, you, you, you. Let's let's do it. And then eventually they were like, okay, maybe we need to chill. I don't because yeah, I don't. I could not see DreamWorks putting out House of the Dead. Yeah, and then like in two thousand two, Variety writes the article where it's you, you Uva Bowl is going to make the movie. <laughs> it begins production in Vancouver in May. Uh, this is on. It says it begins production in Vancouver today. This is on May fourteenth, two thousand two. And uh, they have, like, the new scriptwriters that we were talking about. I'm, I'm just looking to see who, like, was involved in it. Bright Lights, Sean Williamson. Uh, they're, like, part of Bright Light Pictures, which they produce more than 100 film and television productions. Uh, they say that some of the movies include White Noise, 50 Dead Men Walking, Colossal, uh, Summer of 84. And also they're involved in The Good Doctor, which is, like, a very popular show that my parents watch. Yeah. Uh, White Noise is so weird. Like... That's advertised as, like, the trailer for that movie when it came out scared the shit out of me. Because it has, like, the real EMT, supposedly real EMT things in the trailer. And then I watched the movie and I was like, this is a drama. This is about a this is about a guy who died and, like, it's very dramatic and it's not scary, like, at all. Like, it has some thriller elements, but it's, like, mostly a drama with Michael Keaton. That so is, weird. That, that also must have been, like, a very weird time for Michael Keaton when he wasn't, like, quite back yeah uh, yeah 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 this is also funny because this like factors into the final product of the movie it says in the variety article from 2002 and also it says that this already article it, it, it uh can dash and everything i'm like, like were they reporting this from the can film festival <laughs> <laughs> um but it says a sega team will shoot alongside the production to secure images motion capture and gather other materials for house of the dead 4 and i wrote in my notes is that why the gameplay shots are spliced into the fucking film <laughs> 
<laughs> I don't think so. I don't think I did. I did read that too. But then uh, House of the Dead Four came out like four years later, <laughs> so I think they probably just scrapped that at that time. But no, the, the Sega thing is written. Um, that information's in the 2002 Variety article, and the movie comes out in 2003. So, yeah. right. Have any of you played the game? Because yeah, I had it. Yeah. I had it on yeah, Dreamcast. I had it on Wii where they gave you like the like Wii was motion controlled mm-hmm. and you could put the remote into like a gun yeah, type yeah, of, yeah. like shaped thing and it was motion controlled and it's like the great thing about the game is that it really is like I mean it was meant for it was meant to eat quarters and you yeah. could, you know pick up the gun and just you know it's fun like that <laughs> you know what i love about house of dead the lore the story <laughs> the story yeah. the backstory <laughs> I loved how great it looked. Oh, <laughs> like, uh, no, but like, it, it is funny that like, I, I can't help but think about how like Resident Evil, which I think had a few. The first entry's fine. Two is just abysmal. Three, eh, but then like Paul W. S. Anderson with four and five in particular, like took what I think. I mean, I know it's a controversial film series, but he took like video game logic and took what was exciting about video game uh aesthetics and turned it into like something cinematically uh digestible in terms of like geometric uh, like framing and like 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 just knowing where the person is in relation to the enemy she faces and stuff like that and it all looks good and this is just a mess like it's just glad you mentioned Resident Evil for a couple of reasons in that variety article from Chelsea 2 they talk about how one of the producers Daniel Kletsky uh, was one of the producers of Resident Evil which comes out in 2002 that that movie yeah so that's a, that's a connection but also uh there is a bit at the end of the movie has the dead uh they have um the website link where they say "House of the Dead," uh, like in that deeply distorted voice, that you mm-hmm. know what the what is actually being said, and uh, you can visit on the Wayback Machine the actual movie website, and they have emails that Uva Bowl apparently has written. And at one point, he says, "We have so many gory effects compared to Resident Evil, where you never saw a real gory blood effect." That I think for the rating, it's helpful to have in some parts. Opticals from the game to show the rating guys, hey, it's only a game. That's. A quote from Uva Bull's emails. Uh, Is he talking about the video game or the movie? I wonder if he's talking about because Resident because both Resident Evil the game and the first movie are fairly gory. Like remember when the yeah. guy gets all cubed up and whatnot? Like that's pretty fucked. I up. assume he's shit talking the movie because it's like out around the same time around the time that movie comes out around the time that he's filming House of the Dead. Uh, right. I think this is like from his emails while he's making the movie. Um, so on the Uwe Bowl of it all, I wonder has he just always been a, sh- a shit kicker or what? Because he just came out the gate at least in America just being like. Everybody can go fuck themselves because I'm the man. And everybody's like, no, your movies suck. And he was like, I know, but I'm still the best. Now, he is an <laughs> asshole, but I, this does shine up. The, the Vanity Fair article by um, Darren King from 2017 when Uva Bull was announcing his retirement from filmmaking. There is a bit where he talks about his father and he says, my father was always yelling around. He taught me that I'm just a waste of time. Told me I was a fucking loser. Always cursed and so on. I was brought up like this. It's normal for me to wait for a way to talk like this. And it's tough for me to put that back or calm down, you know. So that's that's very that's I'm, that's really awful. Like I I, I, th- I think uh, anyone was struggling with an upbringing like that. But I I, I mean it, his attitude is 
is quite poor uh, as an adult. Um, isn't that isn't that just how fathers raise kids in Germany, or what? I have no idea. I can't <laughs> okay. I can't speak of any knowledge okay. of that. But it's yeah. Anyways, but that does shine like a lot of light on like oh, I guess that's. I'm going to have to read that article because, yeah, right around that time is when he starts his restaurant and people were like, yo, you're an amazing, like, you, this is an amazing place. Yeah, and then that closed down, too, and he it seems like that ended uh, not very amicably either, where he said, like, I had to, like, sue his landlord or something, ah, according damn. to... Oh, my God. Uh, it's an interview with cult following. Yeah, it says, um, according to Bull, Bauhaus is the name of the restaurant. It was in Vancouver, Canada, where he shoots a lot of his movies. Uh, this was in 2020. He said it relocated to Germany. I sued my landlord. His time at the restaurant business seems to be a rather negative experience. When asked whether he enjoyed his work, he simply said no. Uh, and now he wants to come back to making movies, and he already has ideas for all that stuff. I don't know if I'm getting ahead of myself, uh, but um, no, I mean, no. There's a lot of choice quotes, like saying he has he wants to make a movie called Annihilation. I assume not related to the Alex Garland movie. Uh, it would he, be better than the Alex Garland movie, but go on. Oh, mm. shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> he, has, he, he also has hopes for Postal 2, which he tried to do through Kickstarter uh, years earlier. Uh, and he also wants to work with people, other actors, including Mel Gibson, Tom Hanks, and Michael Caine. I feel like he missed the boat with Michael uh, Caine. But, uh, Mel Gibson. He could probably, probably get Mel board. Gibson. He could yeah. probably do that. He could probably get He's Mel Gibson also, and John Travolta. From what I understand, I have not seen as many of his movies, but he's gotten more like trolly as he's he's gone on. Apparently, I don't, I can't. I swear there was an episode of the AV Club podcast I listened to like ten years ago where someone mentioned that like at one point I think it might have been during In the Name of the King, <laughs> the Jason Statham movie. Like he apparently went on rants about how Owen Wilson was a wimp because he didn't actually fully commit suicide. Like just certain shit like that, where he's just an awful, horrible, oh, detestable human being. God he's apparently damn. just a monster. Jesus like, Christ. Yeah, like he's just a troll. He's just uh, the worst type of provocateur and he apparently gets more winky I, I mean I will lay my cards on the table this is the first film of his I've seen I've I, I've heard ghost fire like campfire stories of his filmography for years but never fully exposed oh. <laughs> my eyeballs to them until just today and uh, oh my god did it not disappoint in terms of just hackney like like and and here's the thing is like i brought up resident evil to be like like i like movies that are just not really about anything and the acting's not great and it's just a zombie killing thing even when i'm zombied out but like there's just nothing here he's just he's just the the war like i don't understand how this got a wide release this was number six at the box office. Hell yeah, it was. Like compared compared to certain things, like I don't think in the cut got a wide release. I don't think. What are some other two thousand three movies? Uh, I don't think Monster, which won Charlize Theron an Oscar, get as wide. Well, would yes. in the cut have gotten a wide release if it got a cinema score? Because doesn't a movie have to be in a certain number of theaters? No, maybe to get you're. No, you yeah. might you might be right about that. No, I I just. For whatever reason, my brain just thinks that movie got a New York, L.A. release and then it tanked because it was released on Halloween. But, like, I just think about so many other things that came out in 2003. Like, I about, I doubt uh, Dogville, the Lars von Trier movie, talking about a real provocateur who actually has something to say. It, I don't. I doubt that got as many screens as this fucking piece of shit. In the Cut was limited October 22nd, 2003 and then went wide on Halloween. 
Okay. But it's it made four million dollars. So well, and also So this still made more money. Yeah, and and also yes. it's thinking of Uva Bowl Uva Bowl's movie Alone in the Dark, which was the follow-up, I believe, to House yeah. of the Dead. That yeah. that got an F cinema score, which is the same score that Endicott got. Just very unfair. Neither of those movies. Just very, it. very. Yeah. Uh, well, one is a masterpiece. One I haven't seen, but I can can assume certain things about. So, you you haven't seen in the cut. You're calling Alone in the Dark a masterpiece. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. We're not going to get into why in the cut is a great movie and why Kevin is wrong. But no, no, anyway. no, 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 uh, no, no, no. I was making a joke that you were calling Alone in the Dark a masterpiece. I've seen in the cut. It's what good. if uh, what if they switch? Oh, what okay. if they swap directors? Jane Campion has one. The Dark Uvable is in the cut. Uh, oh fuck yes, <laughs> yes. Oh Jesus Christ! <laughs> I would ride for that. Yes. On the Resident Evil House of the Dead zombie stuff at the time, which of course there was like 28 days later, the year before, right? The year before? Yes. Okay. No, I I think it was actually, I think that came out in 2002 in the UK, but that's it was released right, in the US that's right. in the You're same right. year. You're right. Right. Yeah. Okay. But also like 98 where they announced it at DreamWorks, I think this may have been around the time that like george romero like wrote his version of resident evil and was trying to get that made and then they were just like no i think somewhere around there because it's funny there's a i watched the special features on house of the dead and there's a a short featurette about the making of house of the dead but also just about zombie movies at the time and it's just funny seeing romero talk about how he he has a movie called land of the dead that he's trying to make but nobody will finance it and stuff like that and then it's just shots of Uwe Ball just being like, I made my horror, I made my zombie movie and it's great. You know, uh, it has, uh, Mark Altman, the writer saying that to Uwe Ball, it's always important that house of the dead was an action movie first, which makes no sense because house of the dead is a horror movie game. But, uh, Altman also said, it's, it's always said that you don't, you don't get away from the Romero movie school of thought, but we just wanted to make a movie that was fun. Do you guys agree? It's a fun movie. No, it's not. Um, <laughs> and, and the same thing he talks about, like how he's excited for the sequel because he wants to get away from the action of the first one and stuff like that, which kind of like backhanded compliment a bit. <laughs> but he did go on to write the sequel. And from what I remember, it's much more of a horror movie. Anyways, the, the, I mean, this this movie's fun in all the wrong ways. Yeah. I, I, I disagree. I found this like a real slog to get through. Uh, yeah. I, I, I will say I kept thinking like, this is fun. And then I po- like, but horribly fun. Like just how not to make a movie of this schlock fest. And then I kept pausing it and I was like, how are there 50 minutes left? How is there I think it was, 30 minutes left? I think it was entertaining in the way that I just always was writing notes. Like, I was never not writing notes because it was just, yes. it just kept being like, what, 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 what? Real? Oh, okay. For the, for the record, I think this is one of the most incompetent pieces of visual media <laughs> I've ever seen. I don't want to, like, for example, if you're looking at my letterbox thing and being like, oh, he gave it like less than half a star of Ringmaster, which we just covered. Ringmaster is a much more painful experience, but I was just like well this is exactly what i expected out of this it's just far more incompetent but weirdly more interestingly incompetent than something like ringmaster right i don't know what you are all thinking about that but brian go ahead and give your quick thoughts charlie gave his and then i'll give mine and then we'll get into the movie i mean i guess where do i even start um (laughs) i think 
the movie is like doesn't really have a good handle on its characters. Uh, two of the, like the main guys, um, Simon and Greg, uh, I don't think they look like so similar when like you're first introduced to them that like you can't even really tell them apart. And that there's like so much obnoxious humor in the movie with like all like the references, like you know, oh, this is like right out of Romero. A what? Romero, you know the trilogy of like you know the dawn, <laughs> dawn uh, night, dawn and day, and there's also like potentially like racist jokes too like there's a scene where like, like oh uh, yeah one of the characters like says like oh i don't think that character is a natural red white and blue and it's like talking about the asian character i'm like fuck you i'm supposed to be <laughs> and her, this character like it's and she's her name the is only Liberty. good one she's like the only character i was like she's kind of cool because she's yeah. like kicking ass and whatnot and she's Actually, her name is Liberty, too. Yeah. yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, yeah. And, like, all the action scenes are, like, there's not really much of a sense of, like, where everyone is in relation to each other. Like, no. at one point when they're on, like, the beach, like, you're seeing everyone on the shore, but then all of a sudden it comes to Jurgen Prock now shooting at people with a machine gun. It's like, wait, where is he in relation to everyone else? I don't know where he is <laughs> on the actual shore. It's all, like, so lethargically paced. There's, like, so many slow motion shots and just, like, shots. And, like... <laughs> I guess, like, he's doing stuff, like, the sort of rip-off Matrix, like, 360-degree shots and everything. He literally calls down the commentary of, like, the, the Matrix shots or whatever with, like, sort of revolver <laughs> cameras. But, like, it, it's, like, it, like it's, it, there's no real sense of rhythm with how the shots, like, actually fit into, like, the the way the scene plays out. And it's just, like, it's it just, like, it's a slog to sit through. And it's just, like, so joyless. I, 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 yeah. I, I got very little pleasure out of this. Um I think especially because, like, so much of the time, it does have, like, this sort of, like, smarmy humor that, like, is constantly just, like, mm-hmm. rubbing your face and how and, and it, its obviousness and everything. Like, when a character, like, says, like, oh, size matters or whatever, when they're holding guns, and I'm like, all right, get uh, Yeah, it's... I think, it, that, I think that was an outdated joke, like, ten years before this movie came out. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, um... But, yeah, it, I, that, I didn't find this fun. That joke ended whenever Godzilla used it as a tagline and said, size does matter. <laughs> that's that's it but yeah just what you were going both of y'all pretty much was saying the same thing is that the thing that stood out most to me was not even the directing or the the adr that's all over the place it's the fact that these characters are so they are so odd to me like there are so many characters that i did not know the name until they were about to die and somebody's like oh no so and so and i was like i did not even know their fucking name and then Mm -hmm. like um we learned that, well, actually, we learned this at the start, but I feel like this was a post-production thing, because uh, it starts with Rudy is, like, doing post-production voiceover about how his ex-girlfriend is going to be there and blah, blah, blah. But whenever she sees him, maybe I was off writing notes or something like that, but I don't remember them, like, any type of tension or anything like that, or it, it felt like they had to add that in at the beginning because they didn't get that in the actual scene but i i don't remember yeah like well first off like you meet that character you meet rudy at the beginning and he's narrating the fucking thing but then you don't meet him again for like 40 minutes like in the movie <laughs> but they just suddenly show up back at the house i'm like oh these people know each other and then like i, re- I didn't realize until later i'm like oh wait that's like the guy we met at the beginning okay missed that and then um there's like the line and like it's funny how like he ends up back with like his ex-girlfriend and then like her boyfriend like ends up with like some other girl and everything. And I'm like, both couples seem like weirdly nonplussed by this. So like they both like are making out with other people and are just like, all right, well, gotta move on to the next objective. It's like no one cares. No one gives a shit. It's uh, well, a few things about this. First of all, I think it's funny because 
I mentioned that I saw Run uh, School of Rock and the Rundown like by myself with like two other twelve year old friends of mine at the time, and this trailer was before that the whole time. And really? We were like even it, yeah. Oh, both movies, both it, movies. It feels weird that they would have like an R rated horror movie, even if it was a green band a before PG thirteen movies. It, it was different back then. I swear to God, or or my memory's fucking with me. But anyway, it was one of those things where it was like it didn't matter when we were at that age, even at twelve. It didn't matter how the quality of the movie was. It would be like, is this scary and gross? And yeah. Thing. And like, I think there was a part of me that, as a twelve year old, like they have they in the trailer the big thing after they put that it's the house of the dead is like i can't think of the main zombie's name but oh uh juggle, oh, no. Ju- yeah no i believe his name is juggalo zombie but go ahead <laughs> that's what i On- call them oh, ona grower or whoever played alicia just the whole line that makes no sense in the context of the movie of i've been waiting for you for a long time and then l- sticking his tongue in his ear which is disgusting and it's actually worse in the trailer because it makes it seem as if he's like sexually violating her like in the movie it's, it's like a different cut or something i think it's disgusting in the trailer because it just shows a blip of it and then like more sound effects as it cuts to black and i just remember being like and he, like we were all just like oh like that's not even as a 12 year old i'm like that's not okay for an all audiences green band trailer and just like being like oh like knowing something was that awful when I was a kid, like in retrospect, like this is what I was afraid of the entire time. (laughs) But also just knowing the whole history of how UA ball and all that stuff, like how awful his movies are and stuff like that. I think I got kind of a rush about like just how terrible this thing was. Like I can't explain it, but like it's just it, 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 the incompetence of it and just how, I also, being 12 years old in 2003, I know this is going to sound weird, but, like, knowing that style of smarmy humor, like, this was what was known as funny, and this Uh is what was known as edgy and stuff like that, and just watching it as a 2003 time capsule and being like, oh my god, like, (laughs) it's just, it's just fascinating to me and how awful it is, so I guess that's why, like, I still gave it fucking half a star on letterbox i'm not saying anyone go out and see this but it didn't bore me in ways that it bored all of you but it (laughs) did but it did i will say whenever i paused it i was like how the fuck is there this much i i think if i was not taking notes from it i would have been even more bored than i was i think just the steady stream of just what the fuck read like kept me engaged in a way but i was not entertained at all it's like i like i said i i had seen this when it came out because i think that was probably like fourth or fifth grade when i was still scared of horror movies but everybody was like this is not scary it's terrible actually and i was just like cool i get to watch an r-rated horror movie and not be scared but (laughs) yeah that i i don't have anything eloquent to say other than it's terrible but let's let's get into some of the characters that are in this and unfortunately there's no big people in it besides clint howard honestly uh and jorgen Jorgen prock now who is like a german actor i believe and he was like right he'd he'd been like in a few american movies like you know uh he's in like michael mann's the keep he's in air force one he's Mm -hmm. in um 
Uh, he's in the movie A Dry White Season by Yuzan Palsy. He's quite scary in that. Um, that's a good movie. But um, yeah, he's uh, he's like a character actor, I guess, that gives this movie cred. Yeah. Uh, real quick, can I tell you a funny story about Michael Mann's The Keep? Please. Which yes. is that uh, I work at the Coolidge. This was before I even worked there. But I went to a midnight show there when I was just like a regular patron. And uh, there was... Um, a midnight movie. I don't even remember what midnight movie it was, but we went there and then Mark, um, the program manager who I'm friends with, basically got up and was like, so we couldn't get the print of whatever we got, but instead we're going to show Michael Mann's The Keep because there's a reel of film that just has the word keep on it. And we just assumed that meant keep this reel. So... We didn't know we were ever supposed to give it back. So. You just had. They just had. <laughs> just had it because it just said "keep" on it. <laughs> it, didn't even, it didn't even. It didn't even have like, like a false name on it. Like when uh, it, like, I, I have no idea. Wow. This was several years ago, but I just think that's so funny that that's how I ended up seeing Michael Mann's The Keep was by accident, and because the theater was like, well we have to have this. It says wow. keep on it. So. <laughs> but I also anyway. feel like if you tried to advertise that you have the keep somehow, Michael Mann would just like be awoken and be like, you're not fucking showing the keep. <laughs> so. To be fair, this was like, I don't know, 2013, 2014, maybe earlier. I don't know if we still have it anymore. I just thought it was a funny thing about like, yeah, they we just had this because it had that word on it. And we just assumed it meant what it meant. So. Holy shit. That's awesome. <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> that's pretty. Wow. Let's get to this cast real quick because we got to get we got to talk about this fucking movie. It stars uh, Jonathan Cherry as Rudy, which uh, the same year he's in Final Destination 2. And uh, that's pretty much it. Better movie. Yes. Yes. Ty- Tyron Listo as Simon. He was in the canceled show. that was a really big critical hit. Wonderfalls in 2004. Anna Gruner as Alyssa, which it was, I don't know, like 20 minutes. Is it Alicia? Alicia. Alicia, yes. I think it was like, it was like damn near 20 minutes left in the movie and then somebody's just like, Alicia, don't do that. And I was just like, wait, she has a name? Because y'all haven't said her name She doesn't speak for 20 minutes. I swear (laughs) to God. They're, her and um, let me, let me look this up. Karma? Real quick. Yeah, she and Karma are just on the boat and have no line of dialogue for at least 15 to 20 minutes. And then, and then the other woman just be- gets puked on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then there's Ellie Cornell, which I wrote her down because she plays Casper and she played Rachel in Halloween 4 and 5. So I, I put down some of the main people that have been in things. But yes, like the German actor you said, Bryden and Clint Howard, those are pretty much the biggest people. And apparently Clint Howard was in a few other Wee Bowl movies prior to this. So yes, and and this is something I found in my research on the House of the Dead website where um, Uwe Bowl shared an email apparently from Ron Howard uh, that says, Academy Award winner Ron Howard, a beautiful mind, congratulates director Uwe Bull on his movie Heart of America. And like, there's like a whole email that's apparently by Ron Howard, but I'm just thinking, okay, did Uwe Bull write this? <laughs> Especially, or, maybe, or did like Ron Howard just think like, oh yeah, I'm here to support my brother Clint. But um, it is just like very funny how he just like is like, yeah, Ron Howard like, you know, likes my movie and everything. It's like, okay. Uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah. And then I'm sure he was just like, Ron, my new movie, House of the Dead, is out. Will you watch it? And then he never heard from him again. Uh, one last bit of trivia from me and Bryden. I'm sure you have other tidbits that we can go through. But just before we get into the plot of it all, 
Uh, I did not know this at all. In 2008, uh, Lionsgate, which which Lionsgate bought Artisan, so they owned it at the time. In 2008, Lionsgate released a quote-unquote director's cut version of the movie on DVD, but it was called the Comedy Edition. The film was made into a comedy with new music, alternate scenes, outtakes, and several overlay commentaries, which is the reason for the subtitle Funny Version. And it says that there's it just exposing humor in the performances, self-ironic, partly dumpy. It has fart noises throughout of it. So yeah, that that was a cool idea, I guess. But I was just blown away that they put that out on DVD. Well, was that Bull's like version of the Tommy Wiseau like? Like he's in on it at it the room where yeah. it's just like it was always meant to be a comedy where it was like no like there's yeah. bits of comedy in it but not in the ways that you expected it to be right yeah, yeah. I I think it starts with like people like tying up Uwe Ball and making him watch House of the Dead as like torture or something like that what yeah <laughs> well, what was funny too is like I read about the director's cut on like a bloody disgusting article from 2008 and it was like yeah it talks about like Features new dialogue, alternative takes, pop-up commentary, and animation from the original video game. And I was thinking, wait, like the the spliced-in footage of like the video game was that like added in as the director's cut? And Kevin, I was talking about this with you. You said that like it was like no, no, no I think that's like from the original cut too. But oh yeah, but, but I remember that from the original when I first watched it in like 2003, 2004. But that's funny too because on the website for House of the Dead, a lot of great emails on this website. Um, <laughs> but. Uh, um, Uva Bull said, I make my movie House of the Dead for the horror and video game fans around the world. And thousands of emails, they show me that they don't want video game animation scenes in the movie. And so I changed now the movie. The fans can be happy now. In a DVD version, maybe six months after the theatrical release, I will show my animation stuff additional. And I guess he was just like, fuck you all. And he put it in. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Wow. Uh, can I read the opening line? I, I, I just want to read the opening line. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, I should also probably do a quick plot synopsis. Uh, I can do this really quick. A group of kids get on a boat to go to the uh, quote-unquote hottest rave of the year. When they get there, they find out that the island is overrun by zombies there. This first line is fucking insane. (laughs) I wrote down... Did anyone else write this down? I wrote down parts of it. I feel like I want to hear you say the whole thing. Uh, Yes. It was a nightmare. So many dead people. So many victims. It all started a few days ago when I came here for a rave. (sighs) And now all that remains is the rotten smell of death. <laughs> That's the opening line of this movie. It all started when I came here a few days ago for a rave. Is how every great every great American film starts. Someone should sample not, that in like a techno song. It all started when I came to a rave. Someone should put like a techno beat to it. Yeah, I think Fedboy Slim already sampled it. But also, not to be this person because I remember I was this person where I was like, "Sir Echoes, it's really nice that like adults can just go out to a bar and have a night out and like try to get laid and stuff like that." But like these people going to a rave, they look way older than they should be even in 2003 <laughs> for this type of activity my man i don't mean to be ageist no but Jesus rudy looks Christ. like 30 he looks like the guy that can't yeah. give up the party life <laughs> yeah which he kind of looks like uh, xander from buffy as far as mm-hmm. that goes i was just like oh this is just great value xander oh boy also the opening credits is set to game footage and i swear i don't know like i love this band but and i couldn't put my finger on what title uh, what what song it was but it sounds like there's some 
samples from a Prodigy song over the opening credits? It, it, it sounds like a knockoff of Smack My Bitch Up at one point. Like, and, yes. and, and, and like, I like, I love that song, but like, yeah, it's like they, they, they fucking blow it with like the ripoff. It's yeah, like, there's boom, no, boom, boom, there's boom. no, yeah. I don't think there's any like quote unquote actual music no. in this movie. No, like it's, there's it's no all, name bands. Yeah. yeah, there's no name bands. There's a, there's a uh, House of the Dead rap song in it, which is truly awful it oh, plays over the credits so and the big uh, house shootout this is something also from the commentary that i found uh this is something that i i missed i feel like uh bull was trying to plant like an easter egg and he he messed it up uh, but he says um the opening credits uh there's like a line where like you hear like a female woman say you must stop curian the bad guy of the video game this pays off later want to show the hardcore gamers that you care about the property you want to do not only a zombie movie and a gory horror movie but a video game based zombie horror movie based on that famous video game house of the dead it's from the commentary um it's not house of the dead is not a game with plot like yeah. you're saying this like no. it's like it's a wexler from resident evil or something but yeah. like it's a rail shooter you shoot it you put in quarters you die you keep doing that yeah and you they, they mix it so badly with like the it's like they were trying to keep that dialogue in as like an easter egg like they mix it really badly with the sound and like i did not under i didn't know i didn't hear it dialogue. i didn't hear it no charlie you forgot the best line of that opening dialogue is that uh he was, I did? Yeah. We, <laughs> oh, bro- we broke up so that I could study and she could practice fencing. No, no, no. So there's like, there's the opening line and then it goes to more credits and then it cuts to what you're saying is like these weird fucking freeze frames that it are looks like it looks like it looks like csi awful. footage like <laughs> yeah <laughs> where it's literally all telling and no showing and literally like outlaying so or uh, like it gives you so much information about so many people where i don't even know who they're talking about in the frame and they're just literally like giving backstory where i'm like this is so confusing and i don't care because it will not mean anything later on and apart from the fencing thing that you just mentioned it doesn't so yeah yeah she practiced fencing because she will use a sword later this whole the whole freeze frame intro all that it's all post-production it has to be there's no way that was a part of the script it's so unflattering to the actors too because they're like mid blurry like blah, <laughs> like 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 it's literally like the three women are literally all in a frame and they're literally t- saying who these people's names are i'm like i don't know which one you're referring to like i don't know who you're talking about here like this person thinks they were like a harvard a student this person has hots for this person, but thinks, but plays off that they have hots for this. I'm like, what are you, like, what are you talking? Who are you talking to? And, like, the, the, the tone of the narration <laughs> is so contemptuous where he's like, she thinks she's fancy. I'm like, are you about to, like, go on an MRA <laughs> rant or something? Like, this sounds, yeah. like, horrifying. <laughs> it's awful. Yeah. It's, 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 you're right. It's totally contemptuous. And then those women who even get to be major players later on just don't talk. No, the entire boat ride. Like, no, it, it wasn't the first fifteen minutes. <laughs> there wasn't the only people I knew the names of in the first like twenty minutes was Simon and Greg because they talk to each other and they keep saying their name back and forth. And I think there was maybe one of the women's name thrown, but I truly don't think there was. I instantly, like, not even now, like, I instantly forgot what their personalities and what their traits were because I was like, well, once they get on an island with zombies, it won't matter. And it did. No, no. <laughs> like, it didn't matter. Like, there's, the, there's a scene on the, Sorry, Kevin, go ahead, please. No, 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 go ahead. I was going to say, there's, like, a scene when they first meet Clint Howard on the dock. I think it's 
it's either Greg or Simon who's like uh who's talking to him and everything and like they cut to like you know it's like a, a shot of like you know someone like over Clint Howard's shoulder talking to the one guy and then it cuts to like a reverse angle of like the other guy but I thought they were just cutting to like another angle of the same person because Greg and Simon look so similar that I could not yeah. tell them apart I thought they yes. just cut to the same guy but I'm like wait it's his friend like it's a completely different person I mean maybe I'm I just think goofy but, I think yeah. no 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 that's I think Simon is the one that's bribing them to take the boat to the island of death, but they say it in Spanish. And he was like, that means island of death. And it was like, yeah, you said mortis. We understand that. Like, can I, can I also say they bribe them like $600 and they're like, no way. And then they go, okay, a grand. And they're like, okay, fine. <laughs> we'll die a for $400. <laughs> Look, I know things were different in 2003, but if $1,000 to take them to the island of death, that's what sways them over. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, and also the police, they're coming after him, so well, they might as well leave. That's what I love, too. It's like the, yeah, the cops yeah. are chasing them, and it's like, oh, shit, we got to go now. And then Simon says, here's this money to lose them. And then, like, they just drive away, and the cops are like saying, hey, get back here. <laughs> <laughs> with the megaphone. No, with the megaphone, they don't even get on the boat. They're, they're like, they're like, they're like hey, you better stop. not be leaving. You better not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, wow, that's a really easy getaway. And she's like, like shit, I gotta po- follow them. I don't e- they don't even point a gun at them. Like, they're just like with a megaphone, like, stop, stop. <laughs> uh, I wrote down that the cinematography in this movie looks like a Lifetime original movie. Like, it is so bright and ugly and crisp. And then we get... I think before they actually flee on the ship or on the boat is we get a glimpse of the Sega rave, which there's like 10 people there and it looks so (laughs) fucking dumb. It looks so bad. But it's the rave of the year. It's the (laughs) Sega rave. (laughs) I also love how that it's like one point where one of them. Uh, the narrator is already at the rave and it zoom it like does the same gross like like uh what's the the gross gray color scheme uh-huh. that uh, that everyone else is like introduced by and the person next to him just has a camcorder just pushed in on her boobs and yep. it was like something didn't sit right with me yeah i can't explain it and i'm just like why is this guy just got a camcorder on this person's boobs where first of all gross and like disgustingly because it's the rave of the year man <laughs> it's but it, uh. and, and, and again like just like thinking of like how chopping the movie is like we have like the like this app like all these quick cut shots of the rave and then like as like we're like getting like get this like slow down frame rate as the guys like thinking about like these thoughts like i'm thinking that there's something wrong going on here and then like they <laughs> yeah. and then they just fade to white to like just like show them on the dock back in seattle i'm like thinking why would you like have that it doesn't make sense why that scene transition would be used <laughs> yeah they're like just they're, transitioning to the next a just totally ordinary exposition scene yeah, yeah they were trying to build yeah. tension post-production and just didn't work there's also the captain on the ship whose name is captain kirk and they're who they're, doesn't appreciate jokes about being called captain kirk by the way it's very funny uh there's a random couple on the beach uh the woman goes <laughs> swimming the guy's like it's too cold there's a lot of adr here uh simon greg and three women on the boat i put three women instead of their names because we haven't learned their names yet uh, well well that 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 i'm sorry to pull back here but like it's the jaws scene it's so clearly the jaws scene except 
they can't even be like he's too drunk. It's that he's like, oh, it's too cold, and then mm-hmm. he just lays on the beach, falls, a, <laughs> falls asleep. You're totally yeah. right. It's the, it's the Jaws theme, but like with like you know the music rising as the camera like moves up like underneath like the woman. And by the way, yeah. I looked up the woman afterwards. I didn't recognize her. She was apparently Lois Lane on Smallville, the Superman show that was. On oh, wow. so okay. wow. I mean, she's probably doing fine. Like you know, money is. I imagine, I, but like this, I bet she's on Law and Order. I bet you. <laughs> We did, I, I hope we, she's doing okay. <laughs> fuck, we didn't check and see if any. I didn't check and see if any of this cast had been on Law and Order. I almost guarantee it. Maybe someone's Got, like played like a, a killer or something in like a one-off episode. I don't know. It, it's just so funny to me that they rip off Jaws and like in Jaws, it makes total sense where they're both drunk and the guy is just too drunk to chase after her and it's just kind of like oh, I can't. But here he's like, it's, it's cold. too cold, Ugh. and then he immediately is drunk. Yeah. And just passes out <laughs> like there's no built up to that yeah <laughs> and it also has one of those things where the camera kind of zooms in on him and then has those like 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 splice cuts yeah. where it's like what happened here and then just his sweatpants and shoes are on the beach after that. it's and we, so it, stupid it's so weird i don't know why the scene just doesn't play out but it goes back to the no. boat and then it goes back to the scene and then it goes back to something else on the boat and then it comes back to the scene and the scene on the yeah. beach if you combined it, it would be like two minutes and like you could there's like no tension because we keep going back to the boat the second time we go back to the boat the blonde on the boat which we don't know her name until she is literally a zombie later in the movie and somebody's like no no <laughs> and then we find out her name but greg puked on her so she's cleaning her clothes, and she's just topless. And Clint Howard's like, here, have a cross. It'll protect you. And she goes, ah, I'm already on the pill. I was like, ah. Okay. <laughs> I wrote that down, too. Which, first of all, like, I wrote down the on the pill thing, and then I thought, and I was like, wait a minute, they're they're zombies they're not vampires like crosses protect people from vampires not zombies they're kind of vampires because they're immortal they use other people to become it's the blood that reanimates them as one as i believe rudy yells out while they're running away from his he's like oh my gosh it's the blood that wakes them up as like they're running out of a room yeah yeah, that scene where there's a zombie fish and and the fucking karma just comes out of nowhere and just whacks the shit out of the tank and they're like wait no (laughs) he's like that's the blood that reanimates them like really fast and then it cuts back to the beach the beach woman is looking for the beach guy stumbles upon the titular house that looks like a banger uh, spirit halloween set it looks terrible. It looks so awful. Uh, the beach guy is dead. The zombie digs his hand in his chest. Uh, and then it cuts to the woman. And then it does this almost stir of echoes with the red. It goes a whole red screen. Mm-hmm. And then it will like sometimes just have a 360 degree of the person <laughs> just standing. And then it, like, goes it looks like it makes them look like you're selected in your game avatar on like a right, game right, Yes. Right. Yeah. It's so baffling, and they do that multiple times. Yeah. Multiple times. And then they, like, just stop, like, halfway through, because I guess they're just, like, after, like, four people die within 20 minutes, they're like, we can't keep doing this. And I think... They're like, they get it. And this might be, like, one of the first scenes uh, where we get, like, the slicing game footage, where as she's yes, resuming away from yes. the island, we get the slicing footage of, like, the game footage, and which Bull says, like, he does that so that, like, you don't forget that it's based on a video game. And it's like, no, 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 we, we get it. Thank you. Oh. <laughs> I'm just you know watching this. I Wait, love? what's going on? What is this? Is it based on a game? Is this a real property? I don't know. Oh, my bad. It's a video game. My, my favorite splice, I can't tell you at what point 
point in the movie this has, but there's a splice in which it says free play at one point. Uh-huh. <laughs> Where it's not even trying to hide it, it's like just filming the arcade version of I know. I think it I think there was a part where like he wanted to put like game over or something like that and even the studio was like go fuck yourself you're gone too far. <laughs> Look, like, you can only say that at the end. <laughs> but, yeah. but I'm jumping the gun here. <laughs> and then after the beach people die, there's another random couple on the beach that are trying to have sex and then are interrupted by pervy zombies. The police are following the boat because the boat left when they wanted to inspect it. The obvious smart woman of the bunch is noticing things are wrong, which that's uh, Alyssa or Alicia, uh, who is Rudy's ex-girlfriend. Yeah. And, and she's called smart because she knows the word cartography and one of the other is like, cart what? And it's like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, like <laughs> Well, it's because everybody's I, like, oh, wait, I thought this is the rave of the year. This is weird. Oh, who? they have beer. And she's just like, something's weird. And she, they're just like, whatever, we have booze. And th- just like another, like, I, I, I'll try not to go like super micro with like all these things, but like, it is just like another weird thing. Like, and this is something I noticed in like watching Alone in the Dark. Like, he doesn't really, like, bull, some of the shots, like, they're in focus, but like, it's how he strings them together that's like really weird is like, oh, yeah. he cuts from like a scene of like mm-hmm. Greg wiping vomit off of his mouth and then he cuts to like a swooping shot of like the police boat with like a big blast of music. And it's like, you don't cut from like something like that to like a big, it's very jarring how he cuts into it and then he says like well let's talk about it in the commentary like that's okay the ADR comes in and it's like someone saying like oh yeah we don't have backup or whatever and on the, on the commentary it's like one of his producers and one of the actors and then like one of the actors I think says like oh yeah that's a great ADR line I thought that was an excellent <laughs> ADR <laughs> I'm just like he's so clearly shitting on the movie that he's in I just thought that was really funny the amount of shots too that were just like we're back on the boat like like the, just right. the sweeping scoping we're on the boat like it's just t- t- terrible yeah. okay uh well i don't think i explained it but the, enough but they they get to the island uh i think clint howard is like offshoring some like i think he calls it like a uh, supply which we learned he also like, has one hand cigars. he's pretty much the guy from i know what you did last summer but clint howard yeah and Jurgen Prock now and him like they want to hide like illegal merch that they have on the boat like they're thinking oh we can hide this on shore or whatever and that's like what they're lugging onto the the island which is funny like what 30 minutes ago they're like we're not going there that's the island of the dead and then they're just like well we better put some guns here and shit i don't know for a thousand dollars for a thousand dollars yeah (laughs) it's just that amount of money jesus anyway so they get to the island there's nobody there uh the smart woman of the group which she has uh, it's alicia but we don't know that yet because nobody says her name she realizes something's gone wrong, but everybody's just excited that there is a rave, was a rave. They don't think anything's wrong. They split up. Couple starts making out, and when the man says, let's go somewhere where we won't get wet, because they're on the beach, and to which the woman brilliantly replies, too late. <clears throat> uh, um, he also <laughs> says, we're going to do the humpity bumpity, baby. That's a line. I wrote said. that down, too. We're going to group some funky tunes, he says. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I, I look, I, I'm I'm gay, but if anybody says we're gonna do the humpity bumpity, I'm gonna be like, I get have out. To go. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, she's hyped about it, man. Oh yeah, yeah. and then, but like then there's like this whole scene where like there's like a lot of like really like mumbly dialogue where like when they're making out, like he's like. Mm. 
And then he's talking about like he he needs to take a piss, but she thinks he has like erectile dysfunction. There's like a like ninety second scene where they're just like talking about this like over each other, like mumbling like, "Oh, do, do you have like a problem getting excited?" It's like, "No, I need to go take a piss." Or whatever. It's just like he also it's so badly mixed. Like it's just like I don't know what the eighty like. Well, maybe- he also tries to take a piss in the tent, and he she's like, <laughs> "Not in here. <laughs> where else am I supposed to go?" She's like, "Go <laughs> yeah. out there." He's like, "Okay," and then she's like, "Wait, don't leave me alone." And he's like. Uh, I'm just gonna be out there in five seconds. Uh, but he also like, well, we shouldn't get to that part. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Don't spoil the movie. Another, like I have five times. <laughs> there's another shot of a zombie hand grabbing a tree. This is like the second time, and it's used like five times in this movie. I don't know if that's Uwe Ball's idea of menacing. It's just a hand grabbing a tree. Foreshadowing. Uh, Captain Kirk is looking for Clint Howard. They start investigating or whatnot and i believe karma's like didn't you ever watch scooby-doo that's a that's a good observation there we get our first shot of the juggalo zombie which apparently has a name but that's that's his name for me i thought he looked like palpatine almost with like the, the, <laughs> the dark i know this is like two years two or three years before like revenge of the sith where that's like the plot reveal but like i was thought like he looks like palpatine almost with that hood uh, uh, look uh, uh, as a child we all knew even in episode one that he was gonna be palpatine sure right yeah. <laughs> Um, this was also something I, I, I just thought was really funny. Uh, one, I, you, you could probably make a drinking game out of all the times like Captain Kirk is like trying to light a cigar during like, during any scene in the movie. He's like oh smoking, c- smoking cigars in the rain, smoking cigars while he's shooting zombies, smoking cigars, even as he's dying from like blood loss, apparently. He's like, oh, asking, yeah, yeah. give me a light for my cigar. There's also a, a scene where like Simon does like a, the, one of the dumb boyfriend says like a bad British accent and someone's just like what accent is that and then there's like the girls are like walking ahead the, the camera holds on him and he's just like lagging behind apparently like so wounded by people hating his accent that he just like, like oh I don't know I'm sorry and like that's like again like talking about another movie where like the buttons for like the scenes to end like are not figured out very well at all but anyways no yeah uh they uh eventually find the uh titular house where they find they meet rudy and a few other people the cool guy wearing a damn t-shirt uh chastises uh karma for not knowing a romero movie so that was like some really cool guy stuff that he does um what was the line that he said? It was like they say he's going to make like Twilight, uh, of, Twilight the of the Dead at some point, but I have find that hard to believe. Or yeah, <laughs> I was like, like, is this just a horror movie for him? Out of a sudden, like, like what? Did uh, ain't a cool news write this? Like, what's going on? And, and um, um, there's it's also like we were talking about like why this guy like why he's there in the movie with like shooting the footage. I mean, he's the one who shows the footage of like the massacre of like the zombies at the rave, and what's it's really just kind of like a funny detail. It's like you can hear like you don't really see a lot of the footage or anything but like you hear like the screaming on it but also the techno beat keeps like continuing from the rave uh-huh. and i just thought that was like funny it's like well they can't stop partying like it's- what's what's funny about <laughs> yeah. that is the next year the dawn of the dead remake how it ends with them getting on the boat and going to the island yes and it's that's what oh my god that's a that really great scene and it's 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 like they saw this movie and they're like we can do that a thousand times better. Yeah, I didn't even consider the fact that Zack Snyder's Dawn of the Dead remake came out not even a year later. Like that was like March of two thousand four or something. I swear it was like spring of two thousand four. It is March nineteenth, two thousand four. Good memory. Ah, Holy there shit. we go. There we go. But to get back to the real masterpiece at hand, uh, they start <laughs> walking out of the house. I forget for what. Uh, Rudy asks. Uh, Alicia, uh, who's who's the boy over there with the Tom Cruise smile and the Rain Man brain? <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Uh, and then the uh, blonde from before turns into a zombie, snaps cool horror guy movie's head, and gets shot to death by a cop. And the cop is revealed to be Casper, the woman that had been following them. And literally, I typed this in all caps, no one is upset by someone being murdered in front of them besides the woman who says she was her best friend very terribly. <laughs> like, And then eventually, like five minutes later, somebody's just like, she was our best friend. And then that's it. Uh, no, well, no, 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 it's not just that. It was like, who was that? She was our best friend. And then she just, it cuts back to her and she says, not anymore. <laughs> right, right, right. And then all of Casper's dialogue in the scene is all ADR'd. It's really bad. Uh, folks, the zombies are out here swimming. They're trying to get on the boat. And then Kurt is like, he just sees people get on his boat. I, They could be anybody. He just sees people getting on his boat and just immediately starts shooting them. Does that mean he knows this is an island of zombies, or is he just very protective of his boat? Yeah, he 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 knew that it was worth a grand. He knew that one thousand dollars would be worth going to this fucking place that has zombies on it. I guess. And then in that scene where uh, Alicia is upset and whatnot, she's saying something like, "I can't believe Cynthia died," and I was like, "Oh, that was her name." Oh, I get. I'm glad she has a name after she died. The juggalo zombie is watching them walk to the boat. Another zombie hand on a tree. More techno and close up of zombies. That scene is insane. It's like shot like a fucking music video. They find the boat and Simon jumps into the water to get to the boat, but his friends warn him that it's actually a zombie on the boat and not Kirk. Kirk is on the island, also with an assault rifle. Uh, Liberty, who's a woman that we meet uh, with uh, with Rudy. She gets into the water to just start stabbing zombies like a motherfucker. It's just really cool. <laughs> One um, of the zombie heads explodes like a smashed watermelon, and it's like, okay, that's kind of cool. Like the, the they at least got the effects kind of right, you know? Right. Um, uh, oh, also the zombies. This is something. Not only are they really fast, which is like that seems to be like the trend, but also they're like they have strength where they can list lift like giant metal rods to like attack people like they're grabbing like weapons and everything i'm like that's like mm-hmm. really advanced <laughs> like they can they right. can do that i mean i'm not saying that like necessarily is like I, I didn't mean that as good i was just like i was like i just wrote in my notes wow one zombie has a giant metal rod they can lift i was like that's surprising and like there's like one zombie later who i, I think like gets like his legs cut off but he's like still trying to like crawl to like grab a weapon and it's like one committed zombie Right, yeah, it's and it's weird because like I would guess twenty eight days later, kind of popularized like fast moving zombies, and then this movie also has it in the Dawn of the Dead remake, like really doubles down on it. And then Land of the Dead is like they're slow but they're smart, that mm. type of thing. Next up, oh Kurt gets bit unfortunately, and I don't. They know that zombies exist because they call them zombies, mm-hmm. but he gets bit and they never mention like that he's gonna turn. So, yeah, like because we see Casper's partner later, who like we met at the beginning, he gets turned and like she has to like kill him, and it's like doesn't really have any emotional impact. Or I know she's just narrative. like, oh no, you, they got you. Yeah, but like, so- but like I'm thinking he's on the island for less time than Kirk. Uh, like it's like so like I don't know when he got bitten or whatever, but like Kirk, like he's like he never gets zombified, even though he's like bitten and like is going into that long battle for like a long time. It's like it's very strange. Um, I know. It's not Greg, because I think he's already off in the woods. I think it's Simon that gets the acid on his face from the zombie puke or whatever. Yeah, he, like, kicks the corpse when it's down, and then, like, it spits acid in his face. (laughs) (laughs) Which is kind of funny. Just, like, projectile stuff, like, just, like, 
being involved with this guy because I think he's also the one who vomits on the on the boat or whatever. Uh, or right. maybe it's someone else. But Rudy just like gets a towel and puts it to his face, and somebody's like, "Are you a doctor?" And I was like, "What? You 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 cover up acid? What? Like that's not it's not something you learn in fucking." Yeah, I, I don't know that that scene really made me laugh there was a flashback i just put what the hell is this flashback but now i forgot what the flashback was oh i it's when the main villain kills captain crunch that's what the main flashback is. that's right yeah there's that's like right. a yeah a kirk is like well as the story goes uh, and, it, and then it cuts to like a yes, se- yes. it looks almost like sepia almost it's like super yeah, saturated sepia almost, tones. yeah, yeah and then like yeah. there's like it's like well as the story goes then like dramatic strings immediately kick in and then yeah like just like talk about like Castillo says experiments not of God like yo, what has God done for you or me there is only me and then yeah he like strangles him and uh the, like then like it's like the legend is that like he enslaved natives on the island and like made them zombies or something and like did that to like keep people off the island or something but there's no commentary about natives or anything about no, that no 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 Zombies come after Greg as one of the strangest shots happens where it's a close-up on his face while the frame rate is cut in half. Like, yeah, it's like a weird, like, almost like, feels like a yep. GoPro's on his face, and it's like like 12 frames per second. It's really weird. They hold up in the house, but first, the shootout in slow-mo in front of the house, which, I don't know, it's like a three-foot walk to the house, and the scene lasts like 15 minutes. There's no way to really describe the scene. You kind of just gotta watch it. They pretty much all become expert marksmen. After the captain give them the guns and whatnot, there's the fucking Matrix shot where she shoots the buckshot, and then we get the close-up on the bullet, and then it hits, and then an axe is thrown, and then it's it's a whole thing. Well, well, let's 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 just say that everyone gets a 360 camera shot, pretty like much every yeah. single character, and yeah, then a zombie does a flip. <laughs> and throws an axe. Yeah. And yeah, she, she shoots a shotgun mid-air. There's no kickback whatsoever. I feel like if no you did that, you'd like, go no. flying. Yeah. And, and then when she like hits the zombie and everything, you get like close, like zoomed in close-ups of the, of the bullets, which look kind of like beetles almost, like with the textures mm-hmm. and everything. And then like when like it like goes to the angle of like the zombie getting hit, the axe just like happens to fly by the woman. Completely misses her. Um yeah. Right by the head. <laughs> yeah, completely very, misses. Very lucky. Um, all the all the zombies can like defy gravity in the scene. They just like are ob- very obviously wire shots where they're jumping and they're just like gliding like through the air. Like when they kill Greg, they're like leaping bounds, like like yeah, you know, like long jumps almost, like into like the forest to like eat him or whatever. It's they're, mm-hmm. they're very agile. My roommate, who is also a veteran, also who has fired guns in the past, and not like I'm looking for any form of realism in this movie, but he thought it was especially funny that every person who fires a gun, even a handgun, kind of does this jolt where they flick their wrist forward and then fire the gun and he was just like they would all have broken wrists yeah like like, even in a movie like this like everyone just like like that's not how like and not like i go to this type of shit for any type of realistic stuff but he just just started laughing where he was just like yeah they'd all have like (laughs) their wrists would be (laughs) totally inactive like that is funny. Uh, and then this is the scene yeah. where, like, you talk about, like, a character gets PTSD, like, seconds after a character dies or whatever, right? Like, that that's the scene where, like, yeah. Liberty yeah. gets killed, then it zooms in on, like, Rudy, the screen goes red, and you basically get, like, a whole sped-up montage of all the carnage that has happened up until this point in the movie. It's 
such a biz- such a bizarre choice in the middle. It of that zooms scene. into it. Not even his eye. Like he blinks, and it zooms. He into, closes like, his, his eyelid. Yeah, yeah. He's like, hold on, I need to process this. <laughs> yeah, and then all throughout this, this bad House of the Dead rap song is going on. Uh, I put down Uwe Bowl. Love shots of zombies flying through the air after a grenade goes off, and then I was like mid note, and I was just like, why did they murder Liberty? Because she was like the best person so far, but. They just kill her off for no reason. I think then they yep. fi- they finally get into the house. Casper is trying to get into the house, and then zombies just rip her legs off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, but they, they're, like, clearly hacking in a messy way. I know. Like, it, it's genuinely just like, ah. And then, like, just clean legs ripped off. Just cut. Like... <laughs> Yeah, and then people are finally running out of ammo after shooting, like, 20 clips of bullets from the two clips of ammo they have. Uh, Kurt gets bitten again, and I was saying previously, like, they know zombies exist, but they think they can treat these wounds for some reason. Like, <laughs> And then on top of that, Kirk is like, they're like, why are you going out into the zombie like minefield that we are clearly barricaded against and he goes i'm dead already and he like lights a dynamite a stick of dynamite and just walks out (laughs) just walks out but not only walks out he walks out not far enough so that the doors won't be blown up (laughs) blows up half the house he's like i'm protecting people it's like no you just created like like chaos for every living other person you claim to care about. Oh my goodness. Uh, do you guys want to know a couple of the notes on this scene from uh, yes. the commentary? Um, yes. So he was talking about like during the whole big house or graveyard shootout, uh, a bullet got fired into the camera. Uh, it says the bullet came out, the blank broke, oh. went through the glass of the camera, uh, stuck in the lens and destroyed the lens. And then there's this Uwe Uwe Bull uh, being as tasteful as ever with his commentary. So sometimes you know why Brandon Lee died on set. That's what he says. And then um, he also says when uh, Casper dies, um, it says, this is all very intense. This is what I really like because everybody likes Ellie Cornell. That's the actress. And it's a shame that she must die. But she cannot play on her stumps the rest of the movie. And I just thought that was a a weird bit of logic. Uh, Especially considering we're recording this now after the whole incident with Alec Baldwin yeah well I did yeah exactly I didn't want to no and I feel bad that I'm forgetting the cinematographer's name who was who was passed away as a result of this yeah it is Helena Hutchins um that's right yeah and um it is actually relevant I think to talk about um Uva Bull has had some like pretty bad uh set conditions yeah okay so there was a propane explosion on the last day of shooting on the in the name of the king two worlds and like in brackets on the interview bull said like people were burning uh the shoot for blood rain casting crew were attacked by gnats and bees and past dead horses on the way to work and even the live horses were difficult throwing off actors and galloping into the forest at the clap of the clapper board so this guy does not really seem to have much of a plan when he's making movies i mean there's even like a bit in the interview with um vanity fair where it says when he was making blood rain the casting crew flew to romania's carpathian mountains with only a rough first draft of a script and a vague plan to just take a crack at it cool so this guy does not really seem to have uh any real sense of responsibility when running a set. Did you, kind of off topic, but still on topic, did you look up, like, the tax break that he was getting from Germany that's pretty much how he funded his movies? I did like, read some no. stuff like that. It seemed sketchy. Uh, yeah, I think I think they closed that loophole by, like, 05, and then after that he just financed his own movies, but before that there was a way that he could just 
somehow write off 50% of his budgets. So, like, and then Germany would just pay for it somehow. What? Yes. I found the quote from the Alone in the Dark DVD commentary. Bull explains how he funds his films. Maybe you know it, but it's not so easy to finance movies in total. And the reason I'm able to do these kinds of movies is I have a tax shelter fund in Germany. And if you invest in a movie in Germany, you basically get 50% back from the government. Bull has recently significant, has received significant negative publicity regarding this funding method attributed to a loophole in the German tax laws that was finally closed in 2006. So yeah, <laughs> pretty wild, pretty wild. We're getting near the end of the movie, though, I think, uh, plot-wise, um, right? Uh, yes, yes, uh, right up next, oh, this part, Jesus Christ, this is this is where everything calms down a little bit. Simon chooses this moment to feel embarrassed by his acid face injury after Liberty got bit to death and <laughs> Casper got both legs chopped off and dies, but this is the utmost importance right now. Who's going to look at me in the face looking like this? I belong in the circus. And then Karma's like, I think you're still pretty sexy. And then there's a makeout session, uh, I guess. <laughs> in front of everyone, by the way. <laughs> and then uh, zombies are like dragging the bodies off and they're like, why are they dragging the bodies off? Blah, blah, blah. 25 minutes left in the movie and the main woman still doesn't have a name but decides to make out with Rudy. Just a bunch of women feeling sympathy for dudes that can't stop crying about their inconveniences. Yeah, and uh, uh, another commentary uh, bit from Uva Bull. Uh, he says, there's like a scene where like I think someone like just starts like shooting on the movie. He says like, I like the red lamp. Where's that electricity come from? or whatever in the background of the scene and then Uma Bull says it's a funny scene if you start questioning it's over uh, he says I can destroy every movie with my commentaries give me Beautiful Mind or Schindler's List I will do the same and like and kind of funny he talks about Beautiful Mind because um, talk about how much Ron Howard loves his movies uh, but um, he says it's a great scene it's like Gone with the Wind and then everyone else in the commentary starts laughing and he says and he's like no I really like it I believe him his character good in Final Destination 2 and then one of the other guys says I don't know if I compare it to Gone with the Wind and then like he says like you just compare it like in under a minute you cited Schindler's List, Beautiful Mind, and, and Gone with the Wind. Like, it's just like the audacity of this guy. Just like completely unchecked ego. I think it's I think it's Karma. She says maybe this... I'm going to say the second best line of the movie because the best line of the movie is coming up. She goes, guys, check out this book. It looks pretty old. Maybe it'll help us. <laughs> Alicia, the main woman, finally has a name. So right around this time, somebody finally says that. They explore the house and find a room that looks like a lab with dead bodies. Zombie Clint Howard shows up. Kurt goes outside to see him. Ruby goes outside to help, but Kurt informs him he's dead already. Karma, the other woman, finally has a name. We find zombie fish, and it brings the dead bodies back to life in the lab. Simon allows himself to be eaten by zombies, presumably because he feels bad about his face. Uh, this is when he shoots the uh, gunpowder or whatever and blows up the house, but it's it helps them. So it's now uh, Leisha, Karma, and Rudy are underground now. Also, it seems like this movie doesn't follow the shoot him in the head zombie logic at all because they're just... Like one no. shot and they're dead, just anywhere. Yeah, uh, and also with that gunpowder expl- barrel exploding shot, uh, Bull says that that's like the Pearl Harbor shot where the the bomb. Oh, the, shut the, up! The bomb. <laughs> 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 yeah. And I, I just find it so funny studying all these filmmakers. It's like, oh, it's like that shot, but then he ends up insulting all those filmmakers or whatever. It's just like, yeah. Anyways, yeah. Isn't that isn't that nitroglycerin or like bullet powder? thing already leaking too probably something like that yeah it's like it's so it's already leaking and it's been leaking for that long and then also 
still leaking? <laughs> it's, I, it yeah, it's. And it then they just run to explode. And then they just run underground and like they just are able to dive for cover and like be totally fine. I'm thinking when like the ground like collapsed probably or like it's... yeah. Well, the exterior <laughs> just is just in flames. <laughs> like it yeah. doesn't make any sense. Um, the algae zombies kill Karma. Uh, Greg is alive and is wearing a cloak. And the kills- moss zombies? They come out of, like, moss. <laughs> like, yeah, it was weird. Can uh, I also just say real quick that yeah. one thing I noticed is, like, they have so much budget, but when they kill major characters, it's just they push them against an exterior wall and then just drag them down. And that's just it. Like, yeah, there's like, not... They, there's, there, like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, besides the shot that uh, me and Bryden were talking about, of how when Liberty's in the water and she's knifing a zombie, but the zombie gets yeah. a chokehold her on it, and she brings the zombie up so Kirk can shoot its head, and it, like, fucking explodes, like, scanner style. Like, that's in it. But even, like, outside of the uh, house, that big shootout, it's mostly just, like, it's like nineteen like 1950s shootout where they just shoot, and they're just like, ah! Uh, uh, like, they, yeah, it. they they can deal with like explosive gore, but never when it comes to the weight of the characters. Like you know, Casper getting her legs cut off, or mm-hmm. l- like anybody being like it's just like well, we push them down to the ground, or there's just this stuff, and then result. Yes. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Like like, can't you see the aftermath? And it's like well. You tried to show what happened in between, but like it, it just doesn't matter. I know it just if the movie doesn't care about the characters, why should we? Uh, yeah, exactly. Even in a schlock fest like this, like it's not like I go to this movie for acting or for anything that's like important cinema, but like I need to have some sort of weight when it comes to yeah. Like, the actual aesthetics and whatever this character serves in this current moment. It says none of that. No. Speaking of somebody who didn't get a moment, Greg. Oh, (laughs) Bryden, what were you saying? No, I I mean, yeah, I was about to, like, lead into the scene. That skin mask that uh, Castillo has of Greg is very (laughs) impressive. It's like Mission Impossible quality mask work. Where, like, he just pulls off the mask and I'm, like, thinking, wow, it looked, like, totally clean and, like fit him perfectly Uh, well it it made me think about how even like uv ball like watched silence of the lambs wrong or even that was like i mean like that gag i love it in silence of the lambs but it's like it's sloppy kind of like how right no it's very exactly (laughs) exactly and even he couldn't even get that right where it's just like (laughs) it has to be a perfect disguise of this character yeah yeah or even like uh which it was the same year. I think it came out like the same month. The Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake, where it has yes. that, it has that awesome shot where uh, Leatherface is wearing uh, where Leatherface is uh, uh, wearing uh, what's his name? It's a character named Kemper, and he like he like turns around. And it's like obviously his face, but it's on Leatherface's face. Like that's where it like looks real, but also looks grotesque at the same time. So. I really liked that. But yeah, the the Greg mask is just top tier. He just kills a zombie with like this very long Sephiroth-ass sword. But uh, we learn it's not Greg. It's actually the Juggalo zombie wearing Greg's face. And then we get to the best line of the entire movie where um, he uh, pins Rudy down and Rudy says, you created all this to be immortal? Why? And then he's and then uh, the Juggalo zombie says, uh, to live forever. Yeah. 
<sighs> and then I, I'm not even going to try with the with the backstory or the whatever that is. It's we pretty much went through it already. He's been making zombies to stay immortal, and anybody who comes on the island, he makes more zombies and harvests it their flesh. Matter. Yeah. <laughs> the reason you don't care is because the movie doesn't care either, and it's why I didn't care either. Yeah. yeah. Uh, they escape. Now Alicia and Rudy and the Juggalo zombie must fight in a sword and axe duel. And this is where Alicia's fencing background comes in. Huh? But yeah. you can't even really see it. It's like she grabbed it. Like it's, I, broke, I had to like rewind <laughs> it multiple times. It's like she grabs the sword, cuts to a shot of Alicia, cuts to a shot of Castillo turning, then it cuts to her. Then there's like a half second insert shot of like the stab actually like making impact. And then it cuts to over Alicia and like Alicia over Castillo's shoulder. And then the sword's just withdrawn. It's all like six seconds mm-hmm. or whatever that you see the impact. And I'm like, yeah, like they really don't get the payoff of that. Like even as you said, like, you know, they established the fencing background. Like so, so definitely in the opening. It's like they don't. Right. They mess that up. Yeah. He just gets tired or something like he, i know he, like he's just kind of like i can't and then just kind of lays down and then she does all the work and then once she gets stabbed through the chest like nearly through the heart i would mm-hmm. assume mm-hmm. that's when he's like oh well let me do my job and then cuts his head off but also it doesn't make any sense because she's been stabbed through the chest falls down also is stabbed through the chest and then just kind of like is like you got me i will now forfeit like Mm -hmm. like kind of like falls down as if like you beat me like by rules and then he's like oh well now i have to do something and then like uh, it doesn't make any well the castillo gets his head cut off and like he but like his the lower half of his body is still trying to get Rudy, and it looks a lot like the Monty Python yes. scene with like, ah, it's only a flesh wound. Um, <laughs> yeah. And um, but then Alicia, even though she's been stabbed through the chest, as you said, Charlie, she still gets like the strength to like, get back up and then like walk over to the head and like crush its head, saying "Game over, fucker." Then she collapses again and is dead. I guess that's where oh, Kevin, you said the game over line. That's like uh, that's yeah, that's, that's what it is. But Charlie, what were you gonna say? Oh, oh no, no, no! I was kind of <laughs> jumping the gun, but. The last line in the movie, I don't want to step over anyone, but the last line in the movie, <laughs> even worse than the opening. <laughs> what was it? He was just like, well, she isn't dead or whatever she is. You yeah. pretty much learned that he gave her the reanimated liquid to keep her alive, but still a zombie. And I'm just like, that doesn't help her. That doesn't help anybody. <laughs> also, I completely forgot. I'm looking through my notes right now. There's a convenient hand grenade. I completely forgot about the convenient. Oh, Absolutely. Yeah, same here. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, just like, just a spare grenade. Always good to have that uh, when you need to. Always good to have that. And by the way, by the time they go into that house, even when Acid Face Zombie Boy like blows up, mm-hmm. like a barrel of. <laughs> gunpowder gunpowder it's it's night and then there's not even like sunrise or anything like that by the time they get up out there it's just full-on daylight yeah that sense. is really weird i forgot about i forgot about that that's it, it, i was like there's not even a transitional like sunrise or anything in that line where he's gonna resurrect he says he's gonna resurrect alicia which they really like they they sneak that twist in under the wire like just i like didn't even I reread the Wikipedia just to kind of, if I missed anything, and it was just like, he gives her the uh, the liquid to keep her alive. And I was like, he doesn't really say that. He just says, 
she's not alive, but she's not really. I don't even know what she is anymore. Whatever like, she I, is now, yeah. Whatever yeah. I created, and it's like that's pretty vague. Um, yeah. Not to mention that there are people who fly in through helicopters who refer to them as reanimated Homo sapiens. <laughs> <laughs> reanimated Homo sapiens. Yeah. And <laughs> where I was like, excuse me. <laughs> and. And he's 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 no longer Rudy, but he's Rudolf Kurian, uh, which yes. he says that with a lot of emphasis. Where I'm like, I guess that's important. I don't know what that is. And then I looked it up. That's like the mad scientist <laughs> character from the arcade game. So I guess Rudy's going to become the mad scientist from that game. Cool, Yo, awesome. Oh my God, yeah. What an Easter egg. <laughs> yeah, I like I like how they uh, gave it like ten seconds of silence to be like something's going to come up, and I'm sure ninety nine percent of the audience was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> The last line I I just want to read. I'm sorry. Oh, here Uh, it is. Here it is. It was a nightmare. So many dead. So many victims. And people that were my friends. And now we go home. Me and Alicia. Whatever she is now. (laughs) Whatever I've created. God. Ain't life a bitch. Is this the end? Or only the beginning? Start that rap song again, right over the credits. so bad. But I just want to say, I had to, like, rewind this multiple times, because I didn't know what he was saying with the, God, ain't life a bitch, or ain't love a bitch. Already offensive, uh, an offensive line to begin with, but, like, they didn't even have the enunciation of that. Yeah. Which I might not have had either, but Jesus. No, like, uh, I had the subtitles on, and it's, it was still very confusing what was being said. The music, uh, the the name of the bands that have songs in the movie, uh, I just want to read off their names because some of them were funny. Uh, there's Code Trasher, someone named Ray Thomas, uh, a band called Black Tiger, someone called Okio, and then the Horror Boogies. Uh, yeah, <laughs> the dopest the rap name. Boogies. Yeah, man. And then like there's like that rap song that they play uh, from like the the graveyard shootout, and then like for like the last leg of the credits, like the last thirty seconds, they play some of the score, and then you get like the the website uh, or the the actual name of like the the title, the House of the Dead. They say it in that deep distorted voice, and then they get the website link. The website link stays up for 17 seconds, including another seven seconds after the title has been spoken. Uh, and it's just, it feels, I mean, it's just like one of those other things in this movie where like every scene is either like too short or too long uh, to really have any impact. There's no real sense of rhythm, even to the end credits. So at least it's true to itself in the end. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm being, am I maybe being too like, uh, too harsh by like holding no. on these granular details? No, I don't no, know. no. <laughs> there's nobody there's nobody who's ever been right or, or wrong say it. i feel like i'm dogging on house of the dead too much like i don't know well, look uv ball has piles of money it's not not fair to say that he's i mean even in the video where he one of his his third kickstarter attempt failed he released a video <laughs> on his youtube channel called his youtube channel give up his YouTube channel is called Uvable Raw, and he says, basically, my message is, fuck yourself, because that is so fucking absurd, what R-worded amateur idiots collecting money out of their absurd websites. And he says, I will never do it in my life again. Looks like nobody gives a shit about Rampage 3, so maybe I shouldn't do it then. I have enough money to play golf until I'm dead. And also, do he, it. T- he takes off his glasses for the message. He's wearing glasses, too, and then he takes it off as he's, like, get, you know, giving his angry message, and it's just like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> this guy rolls. <laughs> God, Jesus. 
I feel like we could have done like a like a good hour on Uwe Boll and still have just scratched the surface. I have has so like, many notes I took on that. Yeah. Please tell us. Please tell us the best ones. I know he has like two documentaries about him. Oh, he's also a doctor, by the way. He like has like a PhD from like the nineties. He wrote like it is called the genre series and its genres. He wrote it in nineteen ninety four. So he's technically Doctor Uwe Boll, as many interviews point out. <laughs> Did y'all know that his uh, most profitable movie, at least as far as I can see, was in The Name of the King, which had a $60 million budget, and it grossed only $10 million worldwide? Wait, that movie had a $60 million budget. Yeah. $60 million. Yes. It was, in, it was like, in theaters, like... Yeah. Oh, some... I know it was in theaters. This fucking movie we talked about was in theaters. I know, but... Budget. I know. It was it was put out by Freestyle Releasing in the United States, but in Germany it was put out by Fox. That's weird. But what movies of his have made money? Why would they trust him with hmm. that shit? Let me see. It says financing. His films have often performed poorly at the box office in the United States and around the world. House of the Dead, which was budgeted at twelve million, made five million opening weekend. Alone in the Dark, which was budgeted at twenty, made five million. Blood Rain, which was made for twenty five million, made two point four million. <gasps> yeah. <laughs> and they were just like, keep keep giving him the checks. Don't care. From a sociological standpoint, I understand like Bad films need to exist, and people like you, hey, Paul, need to exist to, like... Not, not at this no, level. Not at this level. No. Like, yeah, what's please, funny... Please, hit us with some bull facts. Well, what's really funny is um, talking, thinking about, like, all the high-profile actors that he has worked with at some point, whether they're, like, they became famous later, were in fallow periods, or had glory days at one point. Um, they had, like, a quote in the Vanity Fair article. I keep quoting from this one article. It's, like, a very good interview. I need interview. to read that. Yeah, the, the article's called Game Over Uva Bowl. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Good title. But um, Michael Madsen, who apparently was in Blood Rain, called the movie an abomination. It's a horrifying and preposterous movie. But then Madsen did say in an interview in that same article, he said, I like Uva, Michael Madsen told me, despite what he said about the film in the past. If he called me up tomorrow to be in a movie, I'd sign up in a heartbeat. <laughs> Which is... That check must have cleared, man. Yeah. yeah. It must have. But I'm like thinking, Madsen, like, you must know someone from, like, your, your glory days as, like, a cool character actor in the 90s, like, to work with someone. I mean, I know... But anyways, yeah. It's, I don't know. Yeah. Oh, oh, we also, I mean, this is something that, like, you mentioned, ain't it cool news? I mean, he beat up one of their writers when he, like, boxed his critics uh, in, like, Oh, my 2006. God. Yeah. Did you not know about that, Charlie? No. Okay. He literally was like, I'm going to box critics. Yeah. Please, Brian, tell okay. us about this. So, yeah, there was a, they, he beat up, okay, yeah, Maligned director KO's critics. This is CBS News on in 2006. <laughs> he boxed them in Vancouver and did each bout with a knockout. Fifteen responded to the call. The critics who fought were Richard Kianka of SomethingAwful.com, Jeff Snyder, uh, a journalist with Ain't Cool News, went down in a technical knockout in the first round after his trainer threw in the towel. Chris Alexander with Rue Morgue Radio and Magazine also went down in a knockout. And then Nelson Chance Mintner, a website critic from Frederick, Maryland, was the youngest fighter at 17. He also lost by a technical knockout. <laughs> wow. <laughs> After Kiyanka lost his match, he would go on to make several allegations against Bull, including a claim that Bull refused to fight against Chance Minter, who was an experienced amateur boxer. However, Bull fought Minter as his fourth opponent. He also alleged that Bull had misled them by claiming it was a PR stunt when they are, when he actually intended to fight them. 
<laughs> no, wait, this is just for the cameras. And then he showed up. He was like, get in the ring, bitch. <laughs> Come on, man. Oh, man. It was like, it was also a thing where it's just like, you couldn't fight me unless you had given me like five negative reviews at this point. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, uh, invitations were also open to film directors Quentin Tarantino and Roger Avery. <laughs> oh, buddy. Wow. Footages, footage of the fights were included on the DVD of his upcoming film, Postal. Oh, I have to track that down. Uh, yeah. Oh, Postal. I think that was one that, like, he, like, intentionally, that was, like, his Edgelord, Edgelord King shit right there. Or is yeah. even or is even advertised as like the movie too controversial for theaters. It's just like no, it's just bad. Nobody wants to put it out. But Postal in two thousand seven, the story begins with a regular Joe who tries desperately to seek employment but embarks on a violent rampage when he teams up with cult leader Uncle Dave. Their first act is to heist an amusement park, only <laughs> to learn that the Taliban are planning the same heist as well. Jesus you know how much it made worldwide? $140,000. Oh my god. Chaos ensues, and now the postal dude must not only take on terrorists, but also political figures. <laughs> this is also, I looked up, because he was trying to kickstart a postal sequel. This was in 2013. He said, you have to pay it because, The Verge was writing about this in 2013. You have to pay it because nobody else will pay it, so you have to give me money. The goal was $500,000. He said, you can potentially join the ensemble yourself if you chip in enough funding. $500 is enough to earn time on screen as an extra, but backers willing to part with $7,500 will land a speaking role. And I also, wow. one of the actors said that the only returning actor was uh, someone named Jackie Tone. That name took a, a moment for me to recognize. And I later found out she played uh, the character Melrose on the Netflix show Glow, which she wanted to better things, which is very nice. Ah, Glow rules. I'm so sad that it got canceled. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I never watched it. It's really I never good. Watched it. Dave Foley's also in it, and Foley is quoted in that Vanity Fair article again, um, where he says, "This is it says Bull's art form. Art form, uh, Foley theorized, is in being hated. Quote: It's his relationship with the audience that is his creation. His relationship with the critics more than the movies." <laughs> I don't feel bad for him. I don't. Uh, he seems like a he's a, no. He, he sounds like a nasty person, and his movies are not very good. So, I mean, look, if he says he has enough money to to live off playing golf for the rest of his life, he should just go do that. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Almost Major. Please rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes. Uh, please follow the pod on Twitter at Almost Major to keep up to date with what movies we will be covering in the future. Myself, I can be found on Twitter and Letterboxd at Kev Bonesy. Bryden can be found on Twitter at Bryden Doyle and on Letterboxd at J Doyle. Charlie can be found on Twitter and Letterboxd at CTNash91. Once again, thank you for listening. Thank you for listening.